Hello and welcome to Serious Vintage. I'm Jeff Mose. I'm Nat Mose. And I'm Josh Chappell. Today, we'll be talking about the new gushtastic metagame in Vintage, and then a discussion about Columbus that will be getting the eternal weekend come October. We're here uh, talking about Columbus today because of upcoming Grand Prix Columbus uh, in June, and then later in the year, on October, they're going to be uh, Eternal Weekend hosting Vintage Champs and Legacy Champs. So we thought we'd talk about the city. Uh, we brought in Sam Crollo, who lives in Columbus and plays Vintage with us. He'll be here helping us with that. And we're going to wish good luck to Andy Provasco, our recent host, who's playing in the Vintage Super League tonight. So I already got, heard that uh, he won. I think he won. Oh, did he really? <laughs> No, I don't know. He, I don't he even... didn't start yet. Oh. <laughs> uh, yeah, so he'll be playing in an hour. <laughs> but yeah, uh, best of luck to him. He's got bigger and better things going on than our stupid podcast. So There is nothing bigger and better than this stupid podcast. That's right. This is the biggest, stupidest podcast as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> I'm so excited for the stupid podcast. I know, right? <laughs> thanks for being here. Yeah, thanks, yeah, Sam. Thanks for having me on, guys. Yeah, Sam, Sam has done some commentating with me for the uh, Tokyo MTG Vintage broadcast that we've done. So uh, he's already got some experience behind the mic and looking forward to having him here talking about food and drink in and around Columbus. But first. Yeah, first first we're going to talk a little bit about Vintage because we are still a magic podcast. I think the, the big thing going on right now is that Wizards restricted Lodestone Golem and all of a sudden, no one is playing shops. The most recent Vintage Power 9 on MTGO had 27 gush players out of 60 people. Free spells, better <laughs> than ever. Yeah, and, and four of, and four people were playing workshops, which included a couple different archetypes, including Eldrazi. So, I feel like the, the metagame, hopefully, is still sort of in flux, but it really seems right now like you have to be playing gush or beating gush. <laughs> But probably you're just losing to Gush. I don't know. Can I play Mana Drain again? Mana Drain and Gush is always pretty sweet. Mana Drain together with Gush or Mana Drain against Gush? I just want to Mana Drain and Gush. Okay. Getting five mana is pretty cool. You can do that. I mean, it's just that playing Mana Drain cuts you off of certain other things you might like to do. Yeah, that's true. Because the general consensus for a while has been that double blue is too much for what you get for it. Well, what's the Teferi's Isle? Is that the card? Yeah, you, you could... Teferi's Isle for sweet third turn Mana Drain action. Yeah. You know, you can play Mana Drain on second turn if you don't play Teferi's Isle. (laughs) But you could play Mana Drain on third turn if you played Teferi's Isle. And you could also, actually, you could not only have... (laughs) You could not only play Mana Drain on third turn with Teferi's Isle, you could back it up with a second Mana Drain if you played two islands on turns two and three. That's amazing. This is the kind of tech that we bring to people. <laughs> I don't even know what Teferi's Isle does. Do you guys think that the you know popularity of Gush, now that Workshops has been restricted, is just still like the format in flux and people are figuring it out? Or it's like, uh, oh, shit, shouldn't have restricted Lodestone Golem? I don't know. I mean, that's not really for me to decide. That's up to that's up Basically, to Wizards, like, right? Gush is a really good card, and yeah. Blue is always looking to play the card that is the most effective card drawer in Blue. Right. And it seems like there's not even a question right now that it's Gush. So 
you're going to play Gush, and Gush is even better when it's not being punished by shops. Gush is really effective against other draw engines because it's so cheap and efficient. Yeah. Like that's, that's part of the problem. So Query and Dryad is our uh, MTG finance tip of the podcast. Oh, yeah, let's bring that guy back. <laughs> Invest heavily in green. Didn't we establish back when Gush first came back that even if you're playing that sort of Gush creature dude shell, that Tarmogoyf is just a better creature all around because it requires no investment? You just throw it down and kill as you beat people up? Probably. Probably. But, I mean, you know, Monastery Mentor now, why would you... You get so much more out of it. Even Young Pyromancer before that. Yeah, yeah right. Pyromancer and Mentor really make Dryad cower in shame. So does anyone want to beat Gush, or are we all just playing it? I've always been one to just play whatever I want to play, regardless of what the metagame is, and I'm pretty sure that doesn't stop. Yeah, I feel the same way. Your recent deck has played four Notion Thieves, right? Right. <laughs> nice metagame. And I'm going to continue to do that, because I'm pretty sure that... People playing draw spells that actually say draw a card instead of things like look at the top seven cards of your library and put two of them into your hand is really good yeah. for me. Yeah. So uh, Glass City Vault, top of the metagame. <laughs> you know it. I mean, I haven't, I haven't seen people playing. The workshop decks I'm seeing still have a bunch of spheres, which seem good against Gush, and then the, the finisher, instead of being Lodestone Golem, seems to be, like, going towards Koldotha Forge Master as a way to, you know, get whatever giant monster you need to end the game. Yeah, I guess I've seen a few lists with Forge Master and some Ravager shops lists as well. Yeah, right. Of course, along with Ravager, there's Tiny Robots, which helps, uh, I mean, apparently that can race around Mentor tokens. Yeah, that deck seems fairly well positioned. Yeah, I, I don't think it's too bad. Is Mentor growing at the same rate that, like, are the people who are playing Gush playing heavily Mentor, or is it diverse blue strategies that are all playing Gush? It's not, I mean, there are multiple decks. I think Mentor is the most popular, and then there's, you know, Delver and Grixis Pyromancer, things like that. But it's, I think, heavily, if you're looking at Gush decks, you're looking at Mentor of various colors. I mean, Esper or... Blue, white, red, or I think blue, white, red is probably the most common. Yeah, I feel like mentor decks have grown in numbers more than the other ones. Right, and really, there's not a oh, and the um, the rich Shea deck, the or rich Shea Brian Kelly deck, the um, Sylvan mentor. I think that one's a big one too, and that that's four colors. That's another thing. Now that there's no workshops, there's not really a drawback to playing as many colors as you want. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. less wastelands running around. That's right. what it is. I think it'll be interesting to see where the metagame goes and if Wizards decides that a, a, ban, a, a restriction rather is necessary in July, the next opportunity. But we have uh, two banned and restricted list updates before Eternal Weekend. And I think probably unless something changes, there's going to be restrictions that will force change. Do we want to actually like speculate as to what the, the proper move would be there? I do not. Okay, I'm totally cool with that. But I would say that if they choose to restrict Gush, what you end up with is three restrictions to alter the metagame where perhaps zero would have been correct. (laughs) What if they unrestrict Trinisphere? Go for it. (laughs) Let's unrestrict Trinisphere and strip mine. (laughs) Oh, man. Everybody has to play 30 lands. Let's go. (laughs) 
they definitely need to give it time to see if the metagame adapts to it. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like there's still a Workshop deck out there that would work and be effective, because it, it's not like Workshops did not exist before Lodestone Golem, right? So Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, but it's hard. Uh, nothing exists in a vacuum. It's hard right. to say, like, X deck existed before, so X deck can exist again, because the environment that it was living in was entirely... I mean, that's why we laugh about people trying to bring back control slaver because control right. slaver existed at a certain point in time. Just because those components are available again doesn't mean control slaver comes back. Right. Oh yeah. And that's and but that's sort of what I'm saying is that workshops is a large category. I mean like there's yeah. there's a lot of opportunities there, a lot of cards that you can put together that put decks together. I just think that there's probably something there and it's just Lodestone Golem has been around for a while. There's a lot to unlearn from Lodestone Golem decks. I mean, like, Lodestone Golem made winning easy, and now you have to go back to finding a different way to win that does not yeah. include Lodestone Golem as a main main part of the plan. I'd like to see a viable workshop deck that has colors in it. Sure. On our red workshops, that was awesome. That was great fun. Five-color shops, that was a great fun deck. Yeah, maybe. I mean... Like I said, it, it could be anything, and I, yeah, right. I think there's an opportunity there and uh, a different way to get stuff into play. How long has it been since World Wake came out? Uh, it was World Wake 2010. I would have guessed 08, but I don't really know. When did Jace come out? Yeah, 2010. So it's been around for a while now. Yeah, well, exactly. And that, so a lot of people have only played workshops with Lodestone Golem, and there's, like I said, there's a lot to unlearn. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of interesting because the... I guess for the most part, the Workshop deck hasn't added a lot of cards in that time frame. Mm-hmm. Like you got Phyrexian Revoker and such, but it hasn't, I don't know, the core of the deck hasn't changed in a long time. Yeah, it's kind of funny. We were talking in the chat about Gush in Gush versus Modern Shops, mm-hmm. and I remarked on how good it feels to gush away a land in response to a wasteland, and yeah. Dwayne mentioned that that used to be almost a suicidal act because having one land sitting there on the board was better than having the two lands back in your hand. Yeah. But without really good pressure, that loss of tempo really f- doesn't punish the blue player as much. Right. So that turns back into a pretty decent play, saving your land like that, because cause you've certainly got some extra time now without Lodestone barreling down on you. Yeah, definitely. Like I said, I think it'll be interesting to see where the metagame goes. And, and whether they decide that uh, changes need to be made and, and what changes, because there's, there's a lot that could happen between now and... I'm looking ahead to champs because that's the biggest thing on the radar, of course. And... But in the meantime, I think we'll dive into... Columbus, Ohio. Is that safe? Like, I mean, the ground there, I assume, is pretty hard. It's pretty good. I mean, there's, uh, you know, it's it's got a couple rivers. So if you if you dive into the right place, you're you're probably okay. Okay. Uh, just just pay attention. It's funny because Magic in Central Ohio actually has a long history because the game was first introduced at Origins in Columbus. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, and we had the. Uh, Ohio River Valley area was a big area for magic. I mean, between Pittsburgh and Columbus and Cleveland, there's actually a lot of talent behind magic has come out of there, including Mark Rosewater from Cleveland and uh, Forsyth from Pittsburgh and stuff like that. Like, there's, I never there's knew a lot that of people. That, yeah, Rosewater was from Cleveland. Yeah, yeah and 
you know, there's just a lot going on in and around Columbus, magic-related. And I think that's one of the reasons that they come back here so frequently. It's a very central location for the whole of the eastern United States. Yeah. I mean, you have you have a few options with, you know, if, you, if you're not close enough to drive, Cleveland's a pretty reasonable airport. It's probably the largest. And then you also have Akron, Canton, or Columbus. I mean, it depends on where you're coming right. from, but you could find a deal at one of the smaller airports. So Yeah. Columbus Airport's pretty easy to go through. Uh, and Columbus has a, a Southwest Terminal, for one. And uh, like you said, Cleveland and Akron are both pretty close. Dayton is close. Cincinnati is close. You know, all of those are reasonable to fly into if you're going in a group and need to rent a car or something or get there sort of quickly. Uh, all of those are within a couple hours anyway. But, I mean, obviously no uh, no problem flying into Columbus either. It's got a major airport. Yeah, it's definitely the closest one. Did we get any official justification on why the move? You know, I don't think so. I think speculation would be that it's just hard to find an opportunity to rent the Philadelphia Convention Center. Uh. Um, And I I think that that has been a problem in the past. And Nick Koss, the uh, organizer of Eternal Weekend, has had trouble putting some of that together. I think that's why it ended up in August last year instead of the usual fall date. So I'm not sure, but I mean... Columbus seems like a great option for me. <laughs> yeah. I heard they incurred a lot of hidden costs last year, too, of things they weren't expecting. Right. And it's it's unfortunate that the championship is farther away from the bigger population centers, the bigger vintage population centers of the Northeast, and looking at Boston and New York and Philadelphia. As it's being... close to this vintage population center. <laughs> <laughs> right. We have, like, six people. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, no, I, I you know, I think, you know, it's more than just vintage that goes on there. And, you know, there is a big legacy scene in the Midwest. Like, it's not this <laughs> – I have a feeling the legacy crowd is a little bit more important to, to where Eternal Weekend gets held than vintage would be. Yeah, there's a lot of big, big tournament magic around this area, like right. Cleveland, Columbus, Cincinnati, Indy, Pittsburgh, Detroit. There's a lot of big right. tournaments in this area. Well, and there's a lot of vintage players in the area that may not necessarily be motivated to come out to – a 15-person tournament on Sunday, but, you know, I think people are probably going to come out of the woodwork that haven't played in a long time for Eternal Weekend, if nothing else, because they're going to see a bunch of other people that they used to hang out with at game stores 10 years ago that now are older and they don't get that opportunity as often. Yeah, right. Yeah, and I I think actually, I mean, it brings it back closer to Indianapolis. So if people who used to play at Gen Con when Champs was there might have a tendency to come towards Columbus rather than all the way to uh, Philadelphia. So, I, I mean, I'm going to be optimistic about the uh, turnout here. I think it's going to be larger than last year. You remember what the turnout was last year? You know, I don't remember offhand. Uh, 460. Oh, that's wow. pretty good size. That's a large video. Yeah, so they had, they had 460 last year, and like I said, I, I'll be optimistic and say that we'll go higher than that. I think it's definitely a possibility. Yeah, yeah. I, I think part of it is just because vintage itself is growing, and I, I think Columbus is going to be a lo- good location. I'm happy to have the whole event move around. Like, I don't need it. In Columbus every year or anything like that, I wouldn't expect it in Columbus every year. But yeah, a rotating event would be would be nice to explore different cities and different yeah, places. Exactly. Yeah. Next year, Denver. Yeah, sure. Why not? <laughs> but yeah, so we have a Eternal Weekend in October. Before that is the uh, Grand Prix, a Legacy Grand Prix in uh, June. Actually, uh, around the time of the Eternal Masters release, so uh, I'm sure we'll have some big Eternal competition going on there. And they actually have, like, real vintage tournaments on their schedule, not like, well, you can show yeah. up with eight people and play a win-a-box, right? So, I mean, I was pretty pleased with that. 
Yeah, GPs have been really good recently about scheduling sanctioned vintage tournaments as part of their whole program. So I think there's sanctioned vintage, I think, all the days of the GP, or at least three of the days of the GP. Which is kind of interesting, because I remember a couple of years ago, we were sort of struggling to get some support for that. And Well, I, I know we had trouble getting support at... Um, yeah, actually, I guess we did try and get one at a GP, but I know yeah. we've had trouble getting one at uh, Star City Opens. Like I said, GPs recently have been really good, and I've seen that Star City has started having vintage as well. So, I mean, maybe that's changing, maybe that's just regional, but I'm, I'm pleased to see that. Yeah, Nat, I know, I know you and I sent an email to Professional Events that's doing the GP yeah. Columbus and asked about vintage, and they were super responsive, responded right away and said, hey, you know, we've yeah. got a number of side events, check it out. So, I mean, that, that's pretty good. Yeah, PES gets a lot of flack for some of their organization, but, I mean, mm-hmm. they were they were very much on top of that and very amenable to having one. Actually, I mean, I think they were scheduling one before we asked about it. But, right. Uh, yeah, I don't think they did it for us, but, you know. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, you know, we had a... Uh, there was a GP in Cleveland, what was that, two years ago, that we had at least 20 people show up for sanctioned vintage. Yeah, it was, it was an okay number for a Grand Prix. Yeah. yeah. I think the judges had just as much fun as the players. <laughs> <laughs> but we'll see how it goes. I'm excited about both events. Uh, I know we're going to be around the Grand Prix, even if not all of us are playing in it, and we'll, we'll certainly be there playing some of those vintage events. But, but we do have some tips as far as getting into and around Columbus uh, both of those weekends. There's plenty of hotel options around the convention center, and I would note that if you're staying in a hotel away from the convention center, just plan on there being a drive that will probably take you at least 20 minutes. And keep in mind that some of the days of the Grand Prix are going to be weekdays, and since the convention center is downtown, like there's going to be congestion going in and out of that area. So make sure you give yourself enough time. There's no light rail or anything like that. I mean, there's a bus system, but you know, you're you're probably better off trying to get around by car if you have to. I tried to crack the Columbus bus system once when I was at OSU. Yeah, how'd it go? It cracked me. Oh, I'm glad you survived though. <laughs> I personally use Uber a lot in Columbus, so if you're familiar with Uber, there's cars every time of the day. Works pretty well. Yeah, I would think I would think Uber is is pretty good for getting around. Like I said, probably the easiest thing to do would be to get a hotel near the convention center, either for the GP or for Eternal Weekend, and just sort of bite that bullet and deal with it. Yep, I would definitely recommend that as well. You're going to have a lot easier time getting around there and having parking if you're based close by. And then maybe this is a silly question: Is is Eternal Weekend sort of like Gen Con, where they actually like contract with the hotels? There will be a hotel block. He doesn't have it set up yet, or at least the last I saw, there wasn't one set up yet. Hmm. But yeah, there there should be a hotel block. Uh, keep an eye out for that. And actually, the Eternal Weekend tournaments are on Vintage Champs, for example, is on Friday. So as that's a weekday, uh, make sure you leave yourself plenty of time to get into the city that morning to play. If you're staying outside, make sure you're you're not stuck in traffic when round one starts. Yeah, if you leave without enough time, you will be out of luck. Yeah, right. Uh, another thing to note along similar lines, is that the convention center district is just north of the arena district, which is where the uh, Columbus Blue Jackets hockey team and the Columbus Clippers minor league baseball team play. I don't have a schedule yet for the Blue Jackets for Eternal Weekend, but Columbus Clippers will be home all weekend for the GP. If you want to take in a baseball game, that's a great time. 
But <laughs> keep in mind that there will be traffic around the arena district, which will flow into the uh, convention district. Uh, so keep that in mind. It'll probably tie up some parking and some streets, but shouldn't be too much of a problem uh, if you're going out to eat or anything like that. I mean, it's just going to be extra people around the area. And, I mean, baseball games usually last three hours, and most of those are in the evening. So it shouldn't actually be too much of a problem, just something to keep in mind. The bigger thing is that the Saturday of Eternal Weekend, there is an OSU football game, which that is something that you definitely stay away from the campus area, which is very, it's far enough north from the convention center that you won't get into it. But Yeah, it's probably uh, about a mile north. Yeah, you'll you'll be able to avoid it, so you won't won't have too much problem with traffic or anything like that. But as long as you're not trying to come through it to the convention center, yeah, yes, right. Don't exactly. uh, if don't don't drive south through the campus district. I mean, it could it could be a a big draw if you're interested in flipping some cars over or lighting some things on fire. That's right. Yeah, you can get involved in the activities. Uh, those are pretty traditional student student fun part of the part of the game. Community <laughs> building exercises, <laughs> but anyway, the uh, the football game will affect going out to eat any time that day, probably. So there's going to be people anywhere that serves alcohol. There's going to be more people just because <laughs> they will be watching football games on TV. Yep, the game will be on everywhere. Yeah, so keep an eye out for that. You'll probably have to leave yourself more time uh, to go out to dinner and stuff like that. Other than that, Columbus is an easy town to get around. I don't feel like there's too many areas that I would avoid you going to that you would go to anyway. Columbus is easy to go around. Feel free to walk around and explore. A lot of the area around the convention center is pretty nice, especially going, I mean, we'll we'll get into this, but uh, especially going north into the short north district, there's lots of restaurants and little shop areas. And like I said, south of the convention center is the arena district, which also has bars and restaurants and stuff. Beyond that is the city center, which has the state house and things. And beyond that is German Village, which has also restaurants and shops. So, I mean, there's there's plenty of places to go to, depending on how much transportation you have or how far you're willing to walk. Don't be scared. One of the nice parts around the convention center is it's on high street and pretty much yeah. all of the bars and restaurants are also on high street so right. it's easy yeah you just choose a direction and walk and you'll find stuff right yeah pretty much and uh you know there's obviously you can use TripAdvisor or yelp but there's there's plenty of places to go we're sort of going to give you a few ideas some of our favorites you don't have to take our word for it you can certainly find your own places there's plenty of places to go i think the first place that everyone mentioned when they heard about Eternal Weekend not being in Philadelphia was Reading Terminal Market, and as it so happens, the uh, North Market of Columbus is very close to close to the convention center. Like you can easily walk there. Uh, it's about yeah. what a half block away. Yep. Yeah, it's it's so close. It's similar to Reading Terminal Market. Not quite as vast in space, though. No, it's not as big. That's for sure. But you have a lot of different food vendors, a lot of options to try. I mean, there's barbecue and Indian food and Polish food and... There's a pho place. Uh, a, Vietnamese. There's a waffle place. Banh mi. Ah, uh, yeah, the waffles. Waffles. I think there's even a Katzinger's Deli in there. Yeah, that's right. There's the deli. There's a Jenny's ice cream, which I know is popular with mm -hmm. people. There's even a little bar in there, and you can buy six packs of beer, wine. Yep. 
And there's, Excellent. There's bar and donuts and coffee. And so, I mean, really. Oh, yeah, the donuts there are pretty good. Uh, yeah, pretty much anything you want there is going to be there. The one thing to keep in mind is that it does have slightly shorter hours. Yeah, I believe Sunday they open at 10. I forget what time on Saturday. Sunday through Monday they're open 10 to 5. And Tuesday through Saturday they're open 9 to 7. So actually Friday, Saturday, you shouldn't have any trouble getting in there. Sunday, just remember that they close at 5 and you might not be able to get breakfast there. But uh, other than that, you should be fine. There's plenty of places to go. Feel free to explore. I know we've actually talked about some of their other or some of the individual stalls there in, in an earlier podcast. But um, Matt, do you have lots a favorite, of places to go? A favorite vendor in North Market to get food? Do I have a favorite? Um, hmm. You can't say the bar. I think. <laughs> no, I think I usually uh, I think the uh, Vietnamese banh mi is usually a, a go to for me. Okay. I think my most frequented is probably the Polish food. Oh yeah, the Polish food's real good too. I mean, there's you know. You... I think the the pastry place. Oh yeah, is so good, and they always have interesting thing that it's like, oh, I want to know what that tastes like. Is that where you got the chocolate bomb? Yes. Okay, that's that's Omega Artisan Bakery. It's in that's one of right. the corners. <laughs> yeah, they they always have some good stuff. They also have my favorite thing there, which is the rustic sweet bun, um, oh, yeah. which is actually just like Sounds a. a good. A tiny loaf of bread with powdered sugar on it and dried fruit in it. Can I ask um, what a chocolate bomb is? Yeah, go for <laughs> it. What is a chocolate bomb? I'm trying to remember. It was like... I don't want to know. Wasn't it just like buttercream frosting? Yeah, it was chocolate. like buttercream that was dipped in chocolate probably twice. And it was intensely rich but very delicious. Right. That sounds pretty good. Yeah. yeah. It's like we've certainly talked before about North Market and this like times that we've gone to to like the gp in columbus and not played but the objective is basically to have as many meals at north market as yeah. is possible within their operating hours it's a real good play so i mean it, it's very easy to go there and make a meal sampling three different places so. yeah and then later on you get a snack and then after that you get like another meal so you know you can easily get to, to six or seven different places yeah, and if, if you're hungry after a round and you have 20 minutes till the round ends, you have enough time to go and get some food there. Usually about that. You need to be quick and yep. choose your place wisely because otherwise you uh, might end up standing in a little bit of a line. But, but yeah, it's pretty good. There is parking very close to North Market. They have a lot themselves, but it fills up quickly, and you have to validate your ticket at North Market. But there is a parking lot directly across the street from North Market that is convenient to both it and the uh, convention center. Oh, yeah, that parking garage? Yeah. It's right next to that sushi place. Yes, right. So definitely check out North Market. Sam, did you have other stuff across this, uh, nearby the convention center? I know Barley's is right across the street, isn't it? That's one that a lot of people end up going to because... Pretty much you walk out the front door of the convention center and it's right there. Walk across the street, walk in the door. Right. They make all their own beer and beer's pretty decent. Their burgers and wings are also pretty good too. I've had them. Pretty right. much anything there is pretty fair. This is the Barley's Brewing Company? Right. Yes, I believe so. I'm sure I've been there. I don't recall a per- particular meal there, but I don't remember it being bad or anything like that. So it was probably pretty yeah. good. And I, got a beer I always and remember so. enjoying my food at least. Right. As for food... Is there a bear burger right there? Uh, I think that's one of those burger places where you can pick whatever meat you want, whatever bun you want. I think that's right there. Is it bear like the animal? Nope. 
Oh, Bear Burger. I see. Yeah, there is one right there. What is the Bear Burger? It's an eco-conscious regional burger chain, according to Google. Yeah, make sure oh, they huh. cook it enough. You don't want to get trichinosis. Eh, but I love trichinosis. Plus beer and wine. That's good. Yeah, I think uh, if if people are interested in drinking while they eat, they shouldn't have any problem with that uh, in Columbus. Yes, Columbus is very friendly to drinking while you eat. Yeah, other other places near the convention center, Bear Burger, Char Bar, which Sam recommended as being good for Long Island. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> definitely more for drinks, not for food. <laughs> but it's a good place to go if you want to have a, a good Long Island. I would be kind of worried about the food at any place called the Char Bar. I don't know. It actually used to be a crematory or whatever. Oh. <laughs> that's neat. where it got its name from. Wow. That's that's something. Yes. So they overcook your food? Is, is we, the... we use the authentic <laughs> furnace that was used to incinerate people. Now we cook pizza in it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know if they have food, to be honest. We put the pizza in a coffin and just <laughs> push it in. That'd be a sweet pizza box design. Yeah, actually. <laughs> Also near there is the uh, Martini Modern Italian Restaurant, which... Uh, so Cameron Mitchell is the big restaurateur in Columbus, and that's one of his restaurants. I'd say pretty much any of his restaurants are a good bet. Yeah, they're, they're going to be delicious food. They'll be a little bit pricey, but yep. most of them are, are pretty good. I think, I mean, the, the big draw for the convention center area for me, though, is being able to walk to the short north. I agree completely. The short north is a couple, is a is a mile or so of just delicious restaurants. And you'll know you're in the short north if there's arches over High Street and they right. light up at night, so it's pretty easy to find. And they say short north in them. So. <laughs> yep, <laughs> it's very convenient. But yeah, basically, if you if you go out the front doors of the convention center and turn right and start walking, you're walking towards the short north. Very easy to walk around. All you have to do is stay on High Street and know which direction you're going, whether it's north or south. So there's a there's a melt in short north. Yes. Correct. The Cleveland, really? Cleveland, Lakewood, Ohio, I guess, staple has been expanding yeah. across the state. They've made it to Columbus. I think Short North is was the first expansion from there. Oh, I think really? so, too. Okay. Melt is a, they have gourmet grilled cheeseburgers, or sorry, gourmet grilled <laughs> cheese, rather, and they have a special one a month, so you can... Uh, I don't know what the, whatever special they have. June first, you can't you can't find out till June first for the GP and October first for Eternal. Oh yeah, yep, that's right. Yeah, I, I was trying to figure out if they had a, a preview, but they don't. You will not leave hungry. No, they're they, yeah, right. Yeah, their sandwiches are gigantic. They have great fries, plenty of beer on tap. I think a lot of their grilled cheese are even battered and fried. Yeah, right. I was going to uh, list a few of them here. Do you guys have favorites? Do you guys know any of them? The Thanksgiving sandwich. I don't know what it's actually called, but it's awesome. Yeah, I know. I know that one's really good. Is that one? Uh, was that one year round? Now I thought I it was, so. but I guess I it's not it year round. No, I'm not seeing it on this one. I mean, most of them are sort of you know just glorious grilled cheese. But there's a, for example, the Parmageddon, named after Parma, Ohio, has potato and onion pierogi, fresh Napa vodka kraut, sautéed onions, and sharp cheddar. That's all a sandwich. <laughs> So basically all of that is just layered on bread and fried. The Dude Abides is meatballs, fried mozzarella wedges, basil marinara, roasted garlic, provolone, and Romano cheese. If you've never been to a melt, you should probably check it out. It's yeah, pretty I, cool. I highly recommend it. There will probably be a little bit of a wait, but it's actually a pretty big restaurant, so you shouldn't be too bad. We should go there this year because I have yet to go to melt. Okay, so we're going to plan on being there at least once. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I don't see the Thanksgiving 
sandwich on here. Yeah. But I would just just order it and just pretend that it's on the. I, yeah, I, you know, I bet they can probably uh, go ahead and make it for you as long as you know what you want. They do have the uh, the melt challenge too, if you're interested in getting a shirt. I don't even know what the melt challenge is. The melt challenge is three slices of grilled bread, twelve cheeses. That's twelve cheeses. <laughs> How much is the cheese? <laughs> a pile of fries and slaw. You know, I've seen the. There's a weight for it. I think it's like five pounds. It's it it is a large amount of cheese, so oh. you know. Oh, it's featured on Man vs. Food. Yeah, right. So if you're into food challenges, you? definitely check out Melt. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if, if you're interested in 25 percent off of any purchase at Melt, you can get that coupon from uh, a local tattoo parlor. Forgot <laughs> about that. That's, get, that's true. If you get a Melt tattoo, you get 25 percent off for life. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's dedication, but. I think Melt is a couple blocks from the convention center. Check that one out. What else do we have? The uh, Hyde Park Prime Steakhouse is like a fine dining steakhouse. So if you like going to uh, St. Elmo's while you're in Indianapolis or uh, somewhere like that. Yep. A little higher price tag, but it'll be good. Right, yeah. I mean, you're you're going to pay more, but you're going to get a giant steak, and it's going to be great. You know, they have a, they have a North Star, too. Yeah, North Star is sort of at the far end of the short north. So you're probably looking at, oh, what is it, four or five blocks probably? Yeah. Um, like it's that. a little bit of a walk is what I'm saying. But North Star is great for breakfast. They have uh, a lot of different uh, simple breakfast foods and breakfast burritos and things like that. It's all very... Uh, Everything's pretty organic and local. And yeah. That kind of thing. But it is... It is it is delicious. Sometimes it's kind of hard to pay for eggs, but, you know, you're probably traveling. You're not going to make eggs in your hotel room. Right. And they serve alcohol. Right. I, I think my favorite there is the cowboy breakfast, which is really just two eggs and a biscuit. But the biscuit is really, really good. So Might be um, one of the better biscuits I've ever had there. Yeah, right. I mean, you, you can't go wrong there. And they do have uh, lunch and dinner as well, and it's not going to be... It probably won't be fast enough for you to get to from the convention center between rounds or anything, but it's worth checking out. We like going there. There's multiple locations in Columbus. And their cookies are really good, too. Right. I'm pretty sure that anybody listening to this podcast is not doing better than Zero, too, so they got the time. <laughs> right. They're listening right. to this for the food. <laughs> <laughs> You're not stretching to fit in that Bloody Mary before day two. You have plenty of time for a few Bloody Marys. <laughs> right, right. What else is in the short earth? The Pine House is actually a place that uh, we've gone to other locations after vintage tournaments in Columbus, but they have uh, a large amount of beers on tap and pretty good burgers. They, I think they have a good amount of room, too, right? Yeah, it's pretty big. They have a lot of picnic tables inside. And then in the summer, they open up the front and the ceiling and everything, so it's half outdoorsy, I guess. I think the other place that I might recommend is uh, Bakersfield Tacos, which is a couple blocks from the convention center. But they have really good tacos that you can buy individually, plus delicious margaritas. Mm-hmm. There's a Bakersfield in Indianapolis as well, so maybe you've tried it there from Gen Con. But oh, I think I've been there, actually. Same company. Yeah, I, I think you have as I well. I remember going to Bakersfield in, uh, yeah. in Indianapolis. I know... Chapel, did you punch Jordy's sandwich and he didn't have any sauce on it? Was that you? I don't think so. I've never met Jordy. Oh, he might not have been there that year. Well, we went there one year, and someone punched his sandwich, but Jordy doesn't get sauce on anything, so it, like, barely touched his sandwich. There's, <laughs> like, no damage. Yeah, pretty much. Most of what I remember from Bakersfield in Indianapolis was Eric's crippling depression. 
<laughs> so was he overpaying for tacos and didn't yes. like it? Yes, exactly right. <laughs> I think Eric has crippling depression everywhere. <laughs> yes, it's true. Sam, did you have other stuff you wanted to recommend? You have a Brassica and Max Cafe with notes on it. Yeah, Brassica is in the short north. I, I haven't been there yet, but I've been looking to go there. It's basically like a Mediterranean-style Chipotle restaurant. Okay. So you get like a pita with hummus and whatever in it. I've heard good things from multiple people. Sounds good. Um, I also really like the Pearl in the short north. It's kind of right as you get into the short north, too, so it's close to the convention center. Okay. It's another Cameron Mitchell restaurant. Oh, okay. Is that the, uh, probably uh, the best best the steak I've bar? had in Columbus was there. Yes. Okay. I've never had oysters there, but the steak is phenomenal. Okay, cool. I personally like going to um, Union Cafe. Their drinks are very strong. <laughs> it's 75% booze, and their food's pretty good. Like, their quesadilla is probably the best quesadilla I've ever had. I guess I'm saying a lot of best I've ever had, but these places are pretty sweet. Well, like I said, I mean, Short North has a lot of places to go. I mean, I haven't had a bad meal there, so... Yeah, if like, you see people at an establishment, it's probably good. Right, like, I, I really feel like you come out of the convention center, head for the short north, you can easily find a restaurant that will give you what you want to eat. Yeah, and if you want to see any menus, just go on Yelp or something. It's pretty easy to figure out what, you, what you're looking for. And if you don't like any of it, you can blame us. Yeah, go for it. You can, <laughs> you can mention our names, too. They know us. You'll probably see me down there, so you can yell at me then. And if you if you come out of the convention center and head south, uh, you'll enter the arena district. I know Magic players love Brazilian steakhouses. There's a Rodizio Grill in the arena district, which is a Brazilian steakhouse. You can certainly get your fill of meat. roasted meats there. Yeah. <laughs> Don't fall for the salad bar. Your meat coma awaits. Yeah. Beyond the uh, Rodizio, there's... I think you end up with a lot of sports bar type places and some sort of family style chain restaurants. So there's a, a Buca di Beppo, BD's Mongolian Grill, Gordon Beers, stuff like that. Certainly places that you can go and, and get a good meal and uh, hang out with friends and have a couple beers, whatever. Like I said, that might be a little bit busier during the Clippers game or certainly during the OSU games, but it would be worth checking out. I don't think you could, again, I don't think you're going to eat poorly down there. Yeah, there's usually a bunch of places you can find something. Mm-hmm. Have you guys been to a a Brazilian steakhouse? I have, yes. I've been to one. Are they good? I went to one in Denver, and it was very good. I went to one in Logan, Utah, and it sucked. <laughs> <laughs> all right, fair enough. Yeah, I've been to one in Columbus. And it was it was all right. The service was kind of <laughs> though, so it turned me off a little bit. I mean, it's pretty sweet anywhere you go out to eat. And they give you essentially a stoplight, and you put it up to green, <laughs> infinite food, Yeah, and you put it to red when you're done, and then you switch it back to green. Right. Makes sense. Yeah, we were having a problem. They weren't bringing any meat to our table, and when we finally notified a manager after that, they just kept shoving meat in our faces. <laughs> so it was just everywhere. <laughs> they, they just started torturing you with meat? Typical night for you, huh? <laughs> yeah. It was rough. <laughs> I was real sweaty afterwards. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, I mean, Short North and Arena District are both within walking distance of the, the convention center. I think most places there you could get to within 10 minutes of walking, probably. And again, like I said, they should be pretty safe areas that you shouldn't worry about walking around or you know, carrying cards with you or stuff like that if you have to. But obviously, you know, keep an eye out for your stuff. Definitely. If you have a hotel close, drop your stuff off. Yeah, right. 
Nat, do you want to talk about German Village at all and Thurman's? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, obviously Columbus is a bigger city, so if you do have access to a car or are willing to Uber... Yeah, I, I would imagine the Uber is probably going to be just, like, what, five bucks? Yeah, Uber yeah. should be pretty cheap, and, and a lot of it should be pretty quick. Typically, when I go in the bars, it's six bucks. A lot of it should be pretty quick. You're really just heading down, up or down High Street, one direction or another. And I think, uh, I mean, German Village has a good option... I think if you've been listening to the podcast for a while, you know about Thurman's Cafe. That's in German Village on Thurman Avenue. They are famous for giant burgers. They have a challenge as well. Don't they have a challenge? Yeah, they they also have the Thurminator Challenge, which is oh, their, their two biggest burgers put together. And if you can eat the whole thing, I think you get a T-shirt and to put your name on a dollar bill and staple it to the wall. You also might die. You might also die. My favorite thing in Thurman's is actually the wings. <laughs> Their wings are pretty phenomenal. Yeah, right. They're, they're 12 whole wings, so in fact you're getting 24 wings. <laughs> but I, I think they have really good sauce. They're, they usually do them up very well, so they're nice and crispy. Do they still have top-secret pretzel bites? Are they top-secret? Weren't they out of pretzel bites the last time that we went and everyone was super depressed? Yeah. Well, they're not, they're not on the menu. At least the last time I was there, they weren't on the menu. Oh, really? really? Hmm. It's been a long time since I've been there. I know we've had them recently. I don't, I don't think they're gone. But yeah, the uh, pretzel bites are a great appetizer, as long as they're on the menu, I guess. Well, I mean, I think they weren't on the menu and we ordered them anyway, and they just served them to us. Yeah. Order them regardless. <laughs> yeah. The one thing about Thurman's is that there will almost certainly be a wait. They do have a wait cam that you can check and see how many people are in their lobby. If you're going around dinner time, if you're going during the OSU game, you're probably going to wait at least an hour probably more. The nice thing is that if you, for example, Uber down to Thurman's, uh, a couple doors down is the Easy Street Cafe where you can get flaming shots. Oh, that's what that is. Yeah. They do, though, at Thurman's now have Thurman, what is it, Thurman's to go? Right. Yeah, you can order Thurman's to go. I've liked most of the food I've gotten there, but they never do the fries properly, so... Yeah, that's what I've heard from you. It's always a little bit diminished when you have to carry it somewhere. Like, right. there's there's a difference between getting it in a styrofoam container, taking it to somewhere and eating it, and just, like, then putting it on a plate and giving it to you, so... Right. You're losing something, but it's better than, it's right. better than no Thurman's. Right, and I, I think that the big problem with Thurman's to go is that they rush the fries uh, and don't cook them all the way through. Oh... So. You can probably request that they leave your fries in a little bit longer, but, you know, it's it's something to consider. It's Thurman's is something to be experienced. It's a landmark Columbus dining location. Uh, it's been on a lot of the uh, Food Network shows as far as places to eat, so I would check that out for sure if you have an opportunity and don't mind waiting for it. Uh, another place I think we should mention, too, seeing as how it's a podcast for gamers, um, 16-Bit is on 4th Street. Oh, okay. Which is a, a bar where all, well, three of the walls are lined with arcade games you can play for free, and you can get drinks there. And right next door is Dirty Frank's Hot Dog Palace, which has, like, <laughs> <laughs> specialty hot sketchy. dogs of any style. <laughs> yeah, every time I see Dirty Frank's, I think of Josh Chappell's drinking identity. So. Same. <laughs> <laughs> I, oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, that guy's a I, I can't imagine that you would. <laughs> But, uh, so 4th Street, is that in the Short North, though? It's between German Village and the Convention Center. Okay, yeah, I know what you're talking about. It is, if you go east, like, two streets. Yeah, 
I would recommend Kingmakers, too, but they don't have food. They're just a board game parlor. Like, you can go there and drink, but they don't have food. That's a little bit off High Street. Is that by Bakersfield? I think it might be. Maybe a block north of there? Yeah, I'm not remembering the... uh, the cross street. Like, you can certainly get food on your way there, but uh, they don't allow eating in there other than the, the few snack foods that they provide, and um, it's not right next to anything. So, But it's right off High Street. Yeah, it is a little bit off High Street. It's, like, in the middle of the block. But that's kind of fun if you're into board games. Like, they'll, they'll have a bunch of stuff that you may not have seen before, and they have a, a wide selection of games to try or play or rent for a time basically you you pay a cover charge when you go in and then you can you can play as long as you want based on the german village location there's also a couple of good german restaurants in that area so this is farther south of the convention center there's schmitz which is classic german food i mean you can get sausage you can get german meatloaf potato salad various flavors of sauerkraut and cabbage it's a good place i think they have a lot of options if you're interested in german food German food all sort of tastes the same to me, so it's not my favorite place, but it's worthwhile. And they do have a buffet, which is reasonably priced, and you can eat a lot of food there. Uh, The other place in German Village with the uh, German flair is Katzinger's Deli. As we mentioned, there's a location in the uh, North Market, too, but uh, Katzinger's will give you a pretty classic deli sandwich rye bread and pastrami and things like that. They always have good food. (laughs) You can eat as many pickles there as you want. So that's, that's something to keep in mind, I guess. Yeah, at the Katzinger's in North Market, they give you a free pickle with every meal, too. They have a barrel of them. Can you eat as many as you want? Can you? I don't know. Josh should find out. <laughs> but, yeah, those those are both pretty good. What else? Oh, uh, German Village also has the Mohawk Tavern, which is a place where you can get turtle soup, which I think is legitimate turtle soup. Wow. I liked Mohawk when I went there. Yeah, it's pretty good they- food. They have good food. It's reasonably priced, and I think on most weekdays they have a special. So especially if you get in early on a Wednesday or a Thursday or something like that and you want to go out, Mohawk would be a great place to go for a good meal that's maybe not extravagant. Another place to consider, I know online somewhere I saw that Los Guachos Taqueria was Ooh. rated one of the best taco places in the United States. Hmm. Huh. I really like Los Guachos. Yeah. So Los, Los Guachos is is going to be a decent drive away from the convention center. It's probably at least a 20-minute trip. But yeah. it's worth going to. Uh, it's quite an experience. They have authentic Mexican tacos that are served with pineapple in a lot of cases. So you have uh, rotisserie meats and then pineapple. So That makes sense because it sounds like they're known for their um, El Pastor. So that makes sense. Right. Yeah, that's, no, what, that's what I always order. It's it's really good. They have they have a lot of good food there. Um, you can't really go too wrong ordering whatever, but they are known for their uh, El Pastor. Another good uh, Mexican type place is Condado, which is a little bit farther north. That's in the short north. Yeah, it's it's past what I would it's, consider. It's up by Fifth distance. Avenue, I think. Yeah, it's past yeah. what I would consider walking distance for the short north. But you could, you could certainly walk there. It wouldn't be too bad if you're in the mindset of walking a little bit. Of, yeah, you basically get a little menu and you check off what you want on each taco. Yeah, you you can customize like your tacos sheet. individually, which is nice. So you can you can say chicken plus these five ingredients, whatever. As long as you sort of have an idea of what you want, they'll come out pretty well every time. So um, highly recommend yeah. that. I've, I've been there 
couple times and was impressed. So it's a little loud in there, though. Yeah, it does. It does get a little loud. And I think the last place that I would mention there's a Harvest Pizzeria. There's actually one on High Street north of the convention center. This would definitely be driving distance. You're not going to be walking there. Is that one up in uh, Clintonville? Yeah, that's the one in Clintonville. Okay, so you'd be going past campus in that situation. Yeah, okay, yeah, that's right, yeah. Um, so keep in mind that for the um, the football game day. Uh, that's Saturday of Eternal Weekend. But yeah, there's, there's one north of campus, and then there's one in the north part of German Village. But Harvest has great gourmet pizzas, and uh, the one in German Village uh, is next to the Curio Cocktail Bar, which they have pretty mm-hmm. good mixed drinks. Yeah, Nat, we walked to the Harvest Pizza a couple of years ago, I think. Right, yeah. They had a, like a fennel sausage pizza that was pretty good. I think that's the one I got there last time. Their pizza Yeah, they, really they have a, a bunch of good ones there. Uh, my wife and I go there pretty frequently. I think our favorite is the uh, spicy Yuma pizza, which has chorizo and corn and jalapenos on it. That one's good. But all of their pizzas are, are top-notch, and they have good uh, appetizers and things, too. So. If you find yourself up in up in Clintonville, north of campus, um, Hound Dogs Pizza is also really oh, good. Oh, yeah, yeah. I don't know if you've had that in that. Yeah, Hound Dogs is good, and the local chain pizzeria, Donato's, is they have pretty good pizza, too, and they will deliver. Ned, have you been to Bodega? Bodega, yeah. Wait. It's like a gastropub in the short north. I haven't been there for food yet, but I've heard good things from people. Oh, no, you know, I haven't have been there yet either. Um, but I know that uh, Eric was talking about that as having... $1 grilled cheese and cheap PBRs on Friday. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's a little bit farther north, too. It's in it's in short north, but it's farther north, right? Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure how far north. Yeah, that's up probably 3rd or 4th Avenue. Okay, yeah. The avenues go up the farther north you go. Right, yeah, right. <laughs> so 1st isn't too far. 5th is a little right. far. But really, there's a, there's a lot of good places. And if you're inter- interested in drinking, there's the Watershed Distillery, which makes bourbon and gin. I think we're planning on touring that, right, Chapel? Yeah, I think the uh, Friday before Grand Prix Columbus in five weeks, six weeks, we're going to yep. do a Watershed Distillery tour. So um, I think we've got to book Oh, really? Online. I've never done that. That'd be interesting. Sam, you're I invited, posted, Sam. I posted a thread, and you responded that you were going to be there. So. <laughs> That must have been a long time ago that you posted that. <laughs> it's on Friday. I already have the day taken off. So yeah, I mean, that's, I like their uh, I like their gin. Their bourbon was okay. I've never had their. They have a bourbon barrel gin as well. I've never had the aged gin, the bourbon barrel aged gin. I've had their bourbon and thought it was it was pretty decent. I like their gin a lot, actually. I have a, I have a bottle out in Colorado left over from last summer. Yeah, we've had we've had their gin before. I like their gin. Uh, I think it's a it's a little bit different than. Sort of the more broad appeal gins, but yeah, the but I think four it's good. or whatever it's called, right? Mm-hmm. But there are a couple of breweries too. I know I've been to Land Grant and Elevator. I mean, I think Elevator is pretty. They have pretty broad appeal too. I think they have a lot of things that uh, go well with food. So does Land Grant. Yeah, there's a couple other ones. Um, North High Brewing Company, which is also getting a little farther up in the short north, is good. Okay. Over on Fourth Street. You have Seventh Sun Brewing is over there. Oh yeah, Seventh Sun is pretty good. And there's also a new building. Uh, Hoof Hearted got a, a building oh, there. Okay. So there's plenty of breweries around. Yeah, do you here. know if any of them have uh, food as well? I know Elevator has a restaurant. Land Grant, you can get food from across the street. Yeah, Land Grant, they have a food truck a lot of the times, but Strong Water across the street is, has pretty yeah. good food. 
Other than that, yeah, most of them it's just food trucks. And there's also uh, the Meadery Brothers Drake. Oh, yeah. If you're into mead, you should definitely hit up that place. Yeah. I remember trying their habanero mead one time. <laughs> it's not a fan of spicy stuff in my Yeah, I, I think that they're, uh, they have some interesting flavors. I think they do some neat stuff with the mead that, uh, I've yeah, enjoyed. they do mead they, well. They have mixed, uh, or mead cocktails, I guess, that are pretty interesting. Like if you're interested in honey wine, <laughs> check it out for sure. Yeah, you could be like a gladiator. Right. Yeah, exactly. You can pretend you're a Viking. <laughs> what do you mean pretend? <laughs> The overall impression that we're trying to give is that Columbus has a lot of different options. You can certainly find places to go and eat and hang out with people. A lot of them are going to be nearby to the convention center. Like you're, you're not going to have to strain yourself to, to find something to eat. It's going to be an entertaining time, either for the Grand Prix or Eternal Weekend, whatever you're doing. Agreed. Here's a question for you. So we know that at Gen Con, we feel sorry for all the people who walk just a little bit down the street and go to Steak and Shake. Where is the most boring place that is close to the convention center that people will go? There's a Chipotle in the Arena District. There you go. I think there's probably a Chipotle <laughs> near the Short North, too. Yeah, there's not a whole lot of places like that around there, thankfully. If you're if you're looking for an adventure to go somewhere boring, there is a White Castle in the Short North, rather, that you could walk to. It's across the street from North Market. What? Or not North Market, um, nor, uh, North Star. Yes, the White Castle is right <laughs> by the North Star. So. And, and you've mentioned that White Castle is headquartered in Columbus. That's right. So uh, White Castle, Donato's, and Wendy's are all headquartered in Columbus. So what's the combo food that you eat? The, the combo that uh, Nam Q Tran and I decided on was you get a Crave case from White Castle and you get Donato's pizza. And then you see how much of it you can eat before you pass out. <laughs> Do you, do you actually, like, dump the Crave case on the pizza? No, no, you can eat them separately. Okay. But, so my wife and I had some friends from out of state visit us, and that was what we did. We got, I think we got a couple of large pizzas from Donato's, and we got a Crave case, which is 30 tiny cheeseburgers, and we couldn't finish them. There were four of us, and we couldn't finish them. <laughs> we're looking for a channel. And, and afterwards, I think we all felt disgusting. But, <laughs> uh, but but really, like honestly, if you haven't been to White Castle before, they're kind of worth trying as an experience. Um, Only if you've never been before. I like how you don't go there for the food; it's the experience. <laughs> I mean, they sell a food called the chicken ring. Guess what part of the chicken the ring comes from? Because I only know one. <laughs> <laughs> If you go that far north in the short north, there's a Donato's, a White Castle, and a UDF all right by each other. Oh, you didn't talk about Jenny's. I think you mentioned it being in North Market. Yes, but we didn't have the Jenny's conversation. There's also another one in the short north, too, so there's plenty of places. Yeah, there, there is a Jenny's farther north. It's a couple blocks into the nor short north. Jenny's sells gourmet ice cream. A lot of you are probably familiar with it already if you've been to Columbus for an event. I know it's highly talked about about for attendees of our city opens and stuff like that. Yeah. I don't think they're the best ice cream in Columbus. <laughs> I think they're fine. I think their flavors are interesting. Yeah, they have a lot more interesting flavors, which is cool. Yeah, as, as far as best ice cream goes, hands down for me, it's Grater's, which unfortunately is based in Cincinnati, but they do have Columbus locations. Yeah, what is it, about 20-minute drive to Grater's if you want to? You know, actually, there's there's a Grater's stand in German Village, so you could probably get it there. 
you can also get graders at the grocery store in pint sizes, which I would highly recommend. Uh. <laughs> Actually, you can get Jenny's ice cream in the store in pint sizes, too. So I seem to remember that Jenny's is significantly more expensive than graders, though. Uh, honestly, it probably be. is. I don't remember. I, I think graders has a creamier texture. I, I just think they're, they're overall a better tasting ice cream. My favorite is coconut chip. You can try it. And yeah, and all the ice creams with, with chip in them, it's yeah. basically just fudge frozen into chip form inside the ice cream. It's pretty good. Yeah, it, it's not like chocolate chips. I mean, it's not like little bits of chocolate. It's like giant gobs of chocolate. Yeah. I highly recommend something chippy. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, like I said, I mean, Jenny's is fine. I won't make fun of you for going there or anything, but I think you're missing out if you're thinking that's the best ice cream you've ever had. That's all. It's definitely up there, though. Right. Yeah, it's very good. If you're interested in late-night milkshakes, I recommend the UDF. <laughs> Man, I made so many midnight UDF runs on campus. <laughs> I know, right? You just run around the dorm being like, all right, we're going to UDF. Who wants to come? And you'd have, like, 20 people walk into UDF at midnight. So what did you get there? I got a lot of mint chocolate chip milkshakes, but it, I'm pretty sure all UDFs are like this, but they have, like, a, a flavor of the week or whatever. And oftentimes it was just like, all right, I'll take a milkshake of that. Sarah really fell in love with black raspberry chip ice cream from UDF. Interesting. See, our, our go-to milkshake there is a chocolate milkshake made with chocolate ice cream. Huh. And it's, 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 it's pretty intense. Definitely better than getting a chocolate milkshake made with vanilla ice cream and chocolate syrup. I could see that. Yeah. But yeah. yeah. Definitely. That sounds terrible. What? What? Chocolate milkshake made with chocolate syrup, I feel, is just a poser milkshake. Yep, I agree. I mean, it's a vanilla milkshake with chocolate <laughs> chocolate syrup. Yeah. I will say, though, that making a cho- making a milkshake with vanilla ice cream and chocolate quick powder adds an extra layer of texture that is kind of fun and delicious. Hmm. All right, I'll buy that. Almost like Ovaltine or something like that? Yeah. Interesting. Because you get, you get a lot of the and, – and obviously Nesquik has a different flavor from actual mm-hmm. chocolate. But you get that flavor and also a little bit of that that powdery texture that actually, I mean, it sounds kind of weird, but I think it tastes good. Nice. Milkshake. Milkshakes, ladies and gentlemen. I would eat that. You can enjoy them in Columbus and anywhere. They're the best. (laughs) (laughs) I had a milkshake to prepare for this podcast. Nice. They'll probably be more enjoyable for the Grand Prix in June than the Eternal Weekend in October. That's a good point. Milkshakes can be enjoyed any time of the year. I don't know that milkshakes have a time of the year. No, I'm not saying they're not, just more enjoyable. I think you're limiting yourself. I disagree with your milkshake (laughs) strategy, my friend. It's happened again. You've wasted another perfectly good hour listening to Serious Vintage. I'm Jeff Mose. I'm Nat Mose. I'm Josh Chappell. And I'm Sam Crollo. And we hope you'll join us next time for more serious vintage. Take a little trip, take a little trip, take a little trip and see. Take a little trip, take a little trip, take a little trip with me. It's cool. Everyone in the vintage community immediately dropped out as soon as they heard it was in Columbus, so. Yeah, well, that's fine. They can all go themselves. They can. I hope that's the uh, stinger, by the way.